0: Let's do it. All right, here we go. It is podcasting time. I have Cheryl Wasama joining me right here in the Epic Podcast Studio at the Rolf Hotel, downtown Dubai. It's Doc Talk with a twist because typically Dr. Jenna joins us. Dr. Jenna, <laughs> nowhere to be found. No, and we we'll- It's not that she's lost. She said, you know what? You and Cheryl have a chat, and I'll catch up with you again soon. So Cheryl and I are going to have a chat. And by the way, if you want to, I'm going to remind you throughout this podcast where you can find Cheryl. But vivamassa.me is where I'd be looking, and she'll tell us a little bit more. She's on Instagram as well, and I think that's kind of cool. I want to keep following Cheryl, but we're going to talk today Based on an article that I sent you yep. on WhatsApp. was No, I sent it to you on Instagram. i sent
1: it on Instagram. What's
0: your Instagram handle?
1: It's just my name, Cheryl Warsama. Spell it out. Cheryl, C-H-E-R-Y-L, surname, W-A-R-S-A-M-A. All one word. All one word.
0: There you go, and you'll find you on Instagram. Like her,
1: yeah. Find me on Instagram, follow me. Yeah,
0: Yeah. follow, like. (laughs) I mean, you you always have some great posts. This is what I kind of like. Sometimes they're just little reminder things, sometimes they're little instruction things. And I I think it's the you know, I I think in the last sort of three or four years, started thinking a little bit more about well being and these kinds of things, and mental well being is really become something that I've really started to think about. My own mental well-being, quite frankly. I mean, other people's mental well-being I'm concerned with as well. But I'll be honest, I'm selfish. I'm just thinking about me here. and <laughs> It's a good place to start. <laughs> thinking, you know yes. what? Let yeah. me get my mental well-being yeah. in check. And, and whereas maybe... Five years ago, I'd see some of these posts that, you know, some of the kinds of cool posts that you're putting up, and I just go, Oh, really? Do I need to see any more of these? Yeah. And now I'm going, Oh, really, I do need to see more of these. And it's just it all I, I started to realize that they're they're pieces of the puzzle. And it's it's unlike a one stop, one time, one go at anything, and you're done. This mental well-being thing is a long game. And It's all sorts of things that you keep doing that condition your body, your mind, and get you thinking consistently and doing consistently for the better you.
1: Yeah. Remember, the mind is the most powerful tool that we have, and everything starts in your mind. And even things that are going on in your body are often linked to what's going on in your mind, you know, that kind of mind-body connection. And I just hope that, I, I, actually, the, there's a bit of a problem with the word mental health, because yeah. I think yeah. it kind of immediately... Have we changed that off. word? We haven't got a new word for that, I'm afraid. Okay. But I think it's also synonymous with people saying crazy, and it's yep. nothing like yep. that. So what I'm hoping to do on my Instagram and different blogs, etc., and talking here now, is hopefully sharing some cutting-edge um, information about what helps people with their uh, mental health, and maybe just to take some of the stigma out of it because Mm. we all have a mind and it can get sick sometimes.
0: I just find it amazing that we don't think about that as as much as I would think we would think about that. Does that make sense? Yeah,
1: absolutely.
0: I don't know if we're just scared to or...
1: Well, what I've (laughs) seen, I think I've mentioned this to you before, but what is really interesting, I saw this very much so in London. It's beginning to happen here. Quite a lot of people are now coming... Um, To see a psychologist, not because they're unwell, they're coming for preventative reasons, and also they've just become really interested in who they are like, really trying to really started to be curious about how they think, they're curious about their behavior, they're curious about why they do certain things in relationships. And so, I think that's really quite interesting that people have started to get curious in, you know, this. Mm. this brain box up here
0: the the other side and you, you talk about the stigma and we've talked about this in other podcasts and I, I would say just go back and search Podaholics or the James cast and yes. you will see I mean there's, there's you know what I actually I, I'm gonna do this and I always say I'm gonna do this but I will do this is we've we've done some shows here on on the on the podcast and I'm gonna I'll just pull them together on, on my blog the James cast. I mean I'm, I'm all in one place. you can find me. Great. Just look for the James cast and pull start pulling some of these together because I think they're just great listens. And we were talking about this before we, we turned on the recorder just that the beauty of podcasting is is it's it's not one shot go. I mean yeah. it's a put it on pause. Come and listen to it again and and and, and keep the, the, the pieces of the program or the program itself that you that really works for you download it. Keep yeah. it on your computer. Say, hey, you know what? I'm going to go back and I'm going to listen to Cheryl again. Yeah. I, need, I, need to, I need a reminder. And I, I think that becomes the fun thing. And it's, it's, you know, we're not just talking at you. We're talking with you. We're Engage. talking
1: with you. Yeah, exactly. We're building a relationship with you. Yeah.
0: yeah. I sent you an article that I, I found in the Kleeche times. So, mm. you know, we're coming from Dubai. So if you're wondering where this is recorded, as I said, you know, we're in a podcast studio at the Rove Hotel downtown. If you're traveling to Dubai, come and check out these hotels. A, they're really affordable. Yeah. B, they're funky. And C, we got a podcast studio. So come and find us. It'll be- <laughs> <laughs>
1: It's a perfect location. Yeah.
0: I, I, I keep imagining people are going to be looking through the window and knocking on the door. We have got some chairs, and they just want to come in and hang out. Yeah. I mean, I think that'd be kind of cool if we just had the room filled with. I mean, it's COVID time, so that's not a good thing. Yeah, but
1: maybe have an audience in future. Yeah, I think yeah. just you
0: know a few selected folks and get them involved and have a, you know have another mic and we just pass it around when they have questions.
1: I just think it'd be a great idea to have other people ask questions. Yeah, yeah.
0: you know the other thing we could actually take the show. And move the show down to the cinema. So they have a cinema here. Now, of course they run films, but they don't run those films I think till about noon. So I can only imagine and it's have, have you ever been in the cinema in this no, building? I think
1: it's so cool. I just saw that this morning it's a when I ran screen. In. I thought, my goodness, they've yeah. got a cinema here. Yeah, full-size
0: screen. Really? And nice comfy seats. And I think I don't know if it holds between I think it's about fifty people, I think it holds. But it is when you go into that room, it is so soundproof mm. that it's it, you, you need something on so it would be a great place to do an audience podcast mm. well, we've got to think
1: about that it's a good idea do you think you could do it with COVID with enough people spaced out maybe I, maybe
0: probably? maybe yeah hmm yeah. okay something to, something to plan about the
1: birth of a great idea
0: <laughs> <laughs> well and it's the perfect size right because you don't want to have somewhere too big and yep. you want know, too small and then you want to have somewhere where acoustics are going to work and you could sit down and people could see you and you got the equipment and okay it's check 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 and the Rove guys are cool so they'd be into it
1: Okay, that would be really cool. It'd be really cool to do a podcast and to have people be able to ask questions. So then we
0: just got to get the audience to come. Yeah. I guess if you offer free coffee, can do that. <laughs> 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 but okay, then back to, back to the article. To yeah, like brainstorming here. I, that's the way this thing works, right? We just kind of brainstorm. Yeah. Sort of, sent you this article. And it, I, I, I sent this article because it was talking about marriage counseling. But it was talking about pre-marriage counseling, so before, you know, obviously before someone gets married, and and all that that started my mind going. So I I, I took a look at the, at it and and read the lead and thought, okay, this is interesting. Fired it off to you, and then I start thinking about, okay, hold on. This really to me became this harbinger for, you know, you you need counseling all through your marriage experience, and pre is really good so that you don't figure out, you know, two or three months in what the person's really like and and stuff like that but also i thought there's 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 points in a marriage you know we, we hear what what's it the f- 7 year itch is that the
1: 7 year itch so, yes. all right so, <laughs>
0: so so you've got the pre-marriage you've got after you get married say almost like a year is like okay we're we're now reaching the the you know a year in probably could one could use some counseling. You've got the seven-year itch. I don't know why seven years is a key number, but it, it seems to be. You've got kids, pre and post. That, t- to me, is a huge change on families. Yeah. And then your kids leave home and go to school. That's another big one. Then you've got not only the kids are gone, you, you might need to have a little tune-up, but also you've got the fact that you're, you're possibly an empty nester. That's another tune-up. I mean,
1: it just start- retirement is another big uh, one. Oh, retirement! Yeah, yeah. retirement is major.
0: <coughs> I, I thought, what about then? I started thinking about what about when people start going through career changes,
1: mm-hmm.
0: stressors at work. It's like all of these things. It's like, yeah, okay, maybe I need some 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 counseling and things for that. But what about the relationship when I'm bringing that job home and all these things? I, oh, you see, this 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 marriage counseling is not just finite benchmarks and and posts. Seems to me there are places all over that we need to be thinking about diving in. So I thought you're the person to have a chat to. And you know what (laughs) I'm
1: going to say about that, don't you, James, is that I always say that people should have a regular mental health Mm checkup. Just like you go to the dentist twice a year, and I think if you're married or in a longstanding relationship, it would be a really good idea just to maybe have your annual check in with a therapist, maybe an opportunity just to resolve any kind of yeah. conflicts or difficulties or transitions or stress you've been going through and then go on your way again. Um,
0: I, I, I fired off to you before we started some of the myths for marriage counseling and and I want to dive back into, before we get even in, in, in I, I set you off on that path, th- this whole idea of having you know biannually mental health checkups and, and I, you know, as, as soon as I say that word now, mental, because you've spoken <laughs> about it, I'm kind of going, it's got to be a better
1: word. It's got to be a better word. You know,
0: it's well-being checkup. Maybe it's a well-being no, checkup. No, I think
1: I put on my Instagram, your beautiful mind checkup beautiful or something. Mind. Yeah. Wonderful mind, beautiful mind, yeah. something, but your precious mind, but something. And yeah. then have a checkup on it.
0: Yeah, uh, we need the word Maybe the beautiful yeah. mind checkup. Mm. That's a good idea. That's mm. a, You better coin that term. Write it down and, and trademark it. I think you got to... Yeah. You, you know, no, literally, trademarking, uh, getting the intellectual property of that term. Use it in, in your Instagram post. Put it up and... Uh,
1: I think uh, I should start, yeah. That's what I'm thinking. Maybe you meant, you know, beautiful mind. Really, you've got an amazing mind. Yeah. And people so take it for granted or don't pay attention to it. And... Really, you should honor your mind. It yeah. should be something that you treat as precious. And having a checkup on a regular basis, every six months or once a year, I think is such a good thing and very important that couples embrace that concept.
0: So, before we even get started on this whole idea of having these beautiful mind checkups, and possibly with you know, not only should we do it ourselves, but as as a couple. What, what are the stumbling blocks to people actually wanting to take that first step to say, you know what, maybe I need some counseling?
1: I think that, you know, and it's a difficult, <laughs> I'm,
0: I'm slightly <laughs>
1: frustrated in 2021 <laughs> yeah. that we're still having to talk about the stigma of mental health. I mean, we yeah. can't have a, be living in a society where, you know, we embrace the iPhone or we can get, People on Mars, or all of these amazing things that are happening, and people are still wondering whether or not you can have problems with your mind. I yeah. mean, you know what what is going on, people? This is what I'm asking. Why is it still such a stigma? Your mind is just another part of your body. It often runs really well, really efficiently, and sometimes there are some glitches along mm. the way. And there is lots of things now that can help treat those. And people don't have to suffer in silence and people need to let go of all of these negative words like crazy, mad, insane, weak, weak, weird, strange, abnormal. All of these things just, um, just blur the fact that everybody has a mind and everybody can have glitches.
0: I love the idea, and I and I'm I'm thinking about this, and it's you know they, they, as you said you're banging your head against the wall 2021 and we're still having this conversation. Please. Why is not it change? <laughs> Come on, people. And and I wonder it's you know it's one thing for me to change, so I'll just make myself the person. Yeah, it's one thing for me to change, but I wonder if part of the problem is not only that I need to change, but I'm looking at the environment I live in and what does my workplace do. What are our other workplaces doing? What are other organizations I'm I'm interacting with? What are they doing? Do they create, hey, you know, you're going to have your annual review and hey, by the way, you're going to sit down with our psychologist and just have a chat. Hmm. And why, you know, I almost think it's, yeah, it's great that I, I'm thinking, hey, I need to do this. But if my organization isn't embracing it, it's sending the message that, yeah, it's probably a good idea, but... It's not part of what we do and you know and and i i wonder if it's really this whole societal reboot in a sense that we need to be thinking about it and and doesn't covid create? hasn't covid created the perfect environment to start now doing that because quite frankly a lot of us need to sit down with someone and just have a little chat about apprehension and stress and fear and and whatnot
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think in the workplace, they are beginning to try and address the issue of mental health, but it's just not done very well. I think it's a bit of a a tick box exercise, less so here, but in other parts of the world, there is corporate responsibility. So people are worried about liability of being sued.
0: Right. (laughs) (laughs) Sure.
1: If something terrible happens to an employee in places like France and Germany, there's really strict laws now where you can be taken to court if anyone you know, has serious mental health problems or a suicide oh, okay. or something as a result of workplace stress. So I think they are beginning to take that on board. But I still think lots of people are wary of talking about mental health at work because they're suspicious that if they yep. admit to it, it's just, a you know, the beginning of a slippery slope of maybe being managed out or being seen as incompetent or something. So I still think people worry about
0: that stigma, I, you know, I've I've talked to so many people who bring work, their work home and they're in tears and they're, you know, they're 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 they're, they're visibly troubled by their jobs. Yeah, and they they just even now twenty twenty one they don't have a place to go. They don't feel there's a door. They don't feel, and I just thought, wow, this is, it's to the point that a job is ruining someone's life
1: yeah i think work is a major a major factor in people having mental health problems just the fact that people work so long um, mm. hours and having to be available now with technology, people are expected to be available 24 hours a day. I've heard all sorts of stories during COVID now that people have been working at home. They're stuck on Zoom calls for like six, seven hours yeah. a day. Are they getting emails in the middle of the night, calls in the middle of the night, the WhatsApp group's going? So work is kind of taking over people's lives. So as technology improves, communication, the demand for instant communication and replies has increased significantly.
0: Yet, we're Zoomed in, we're WhatsApped in, we're emailed in, we're connected more than we've ever been connected before. Yet that connection, and and I'm speaking almost purely from my own experience, nobody ever says sincerely, how are you doing? And they don't just reach out. Although I I do have one colleague, and I'm not going to name her, who who does exactly that. Mm. And I, I remember last week, in fact, last week I got a phone call and it's like, okay, what do you need? I, said, I, I don't need anything. I'm just calling to say hello. Yeah. How are you doing?
1: Touching pace.
0: And it's like, and I, I just sat there and I just said, I think I was, I was in tears. And I just said, I can't believe you called.
1: Mm. This feels
0: so good. Oh, and you know, we talked a little bit about work and we talked a little about family. And then it was like, Oh, Oh, thank you for calling. Yeah, and that was it. And we did, and it, but it wasn't really a work call. So yeah, we talked a little bit about work, but it was, it, it that wasn't the call. It was just, well, I just want to know how you're doing. And and I, and I and then I did said, why why'd you call me? Being <laughs> mean, suspicious. Well, no, I, it's just like you know, it's really, are you doing this to everything? And and, and she said, no, no, you're. The, says, well, I, I called you because a, you're the only person who ever really responds to my emails. Right. B, you're the person who will reach out every now and then and just you know, let, let me know how things are going. And you're the only one who ever calls me. (laughs) I went, okay, well, thank you very much for that.
1: And I think that's really interesting because there's lots of research now um, showing what's happened during COVID. And so some managers have been really proactive in calling their employees and touching base and doing just that. How are you in a very genuine way? But I think something like 40 or 42% of employees are saying they haven't heard from anybody from work other than for a work instruction. Yeah. And I think that's really, really isolating. So there you are, stuck at home. You're getting lots of emails about work and targets and the demand to work even harder. But nobody's actually ever asked you, how are you doing? Yeah. Yeah, And I think, yeah, that's how people start to develop. Well, one of the reasons people start to develop mental health problems at work is that you can just feel very disconnected.
0: Mm. And I I think... One of the things that I've noticed is is that walk around culture that we used to have at our workplaces yes. where you stop in at someone's cubby and you're having lunch and you're hearing about the kids and you're, just, oh man, I'm having some a real problem with, you know, calluses on yeah. my feet and, <laughs> or whatever, you know, and you, these random conversations that you could just have and, then, and you, you learned about each other and don't have any of those anymore.
1: You don't have those anymore, and people are just now, lots of people communicate just through WhatsApp, yeah, or yeah. through email, or you see people through Zoom, so those kind of, like, exactly those casual encounters that you would have, yeah. have
0: gone. They're very constructed, in Zoom, anyway, I love Zoom, and I love Meet and Google, and, yeah. and, I mean, look, I, I, you know, I love all these things, mm. Microsoft, and, but... They're they're very constructed meetings. They're, they're very, not yeah. They're not just happening. You know, my background's constructed, the lighting is constructed, the sound is constructed. It's
1: And remember we're animals basically. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and animals you know like to be in close proximity to people that we you know people's body language eye contact Mm. all of these things are the things that help us feel warmth and connectedness to people and that's not always possible to pick up over zoom so i'm not down on zoom or teams or any of those things they're amazing thank goodness we had them thankfully but they create, they can create further sense of alienation.
0: I, I would have I really loved, and, and it's not too late, although it's getting warm, is, and I, I keep thinking of this, and it's like, you know, the, the, the other side is, well, is it my place to suggest some of these things? Should I be doing that? And it's like, well, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. But I, I you know, at my workplace, got a big parking lot why aren't we just doing a little bit of a tailgate party? Where you know, we, we show up in the parking lot, we've got our physical distancing, etc., but we can just, you know, do some yoga together. Now, it's a little warm now, yeah. but do some stretching exercises together. You know, I don't know, do, you know. Just be in the same place without being together. We can keep our masks on, but we can be a little bit closer.
1: Yeah. Actually, that's really a, a good point because what we did um, earlier or was it this year, or anyway, in the, in the cooler months, Dr. Marie at Vivimous, she organized a team picnic. There you go. And we sat in the park, we were all socially distanced, yeah. and we just spent a couple of hours just catching up with each other, yeah. and it was really, really nice. Everybody really enjoyed it. Yeah. We did have to talk a little bit louder than yeah. usual, because we had our two-meter distance, etc. Yeah. But it worked, and I think that's just a really nice way of coming together.
0: I'm, I'm hope- I mean, whether we do that or not in... in- when we come back in the next school year, I'm just going to, I'm going to throw it out there and, and I'll throw it out there. Like I throw at it to everyone else's so like, I'm going to be there. I I'll make sure we got our, I'll, I'll set up the two meter distance. I'll bring my measuring tape yeah. and make sure that we've got room, but look, I'm going to be there if you want to come show up. And if you don't, Hey, that's okay.
1: I think people will show up because I think people need people. And there's something I just want to quickly say about in terms of counselling at the moment. Can I say that? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Because it's been on my mind so much. Go ahead. I can tell you what am I seeing over and over and over again with my new clients. Uh, It's something about being here in the UAE. So everybody normally is very happy here, but COVID has meant that we haven't been able to travel And most people here live their life between Dubai or the UAE and wherever they're from, Canada, UK, France, etc. And these countries have been um, in lockdown. Mm. And what's beginning to happen is people are saying, I feel really anxious and I don't know why and I feel a bit tearful and I can't work out why. This is fine, this is fine, this is fine. But actually, what they're experiencing is something we call separation anxiety. Mm. Yeah, so this is very, very human. And what happens is, when we have um, close attachments to people, our parents, friends, brothers, sisters, cousins, even the society that you're from, the favourite restaurants, etc., you have back in your home country, the parks, the countryside, the culture, all of these things for help to form a sense of identity, And when we get separated from these important relationships in important places, people start to develop anxiety symptoms. And most of us have been able to cope because, you know, relative to the rest of the world, the UAE has done an amazing job. I think Mm -hmm. we've managed to live quite a nice life through COVID overall. Um, But with the restrictions on travel... People can't get home and what I'm hearing over and over again, but I'm worried about my mum, she's seventy seven and yeah. she had a fall, and um, my sister's had a baby, I haven't seen I haven't seen her at all during the pregnancy, or my cousin's getting married and the whole I'm not gonna be able to attend, a good friend of mine has died and I'm not even able to go back to my home country to pay my respects. And these things are beginning to make people feel really anxious, and I think that's something employees will need to take into consideration. Do you think
0: they're prepared to?
1: I think they probably won't understand what's going on, and even the employees won't understand what's going on. And the other things that are happening is each country goes into, this is a spike in the numbers on COVID, so... Watching the awful situation in um, Italy, just imagine if you've got Italian employees, how they're coping with that. Yeah. Now we've got India, Pakistan, the UK. All of these things have a psychological impact on people that will be increasing their sense of separation, anxiety. Mm. Just oh God, God, I need to get home. I should be there. Yeah. I need to be. I need to be closer to my family. I don't know what am I doing here and normally that's not an issue because people just book a flight and go. We've got lots of public holidays. And plus, because uh, Dubai is such a nice place, lots of family and friends come to visit. So separation anxiety is much easier to manage
0: hmm. so this is something that needs to be on people's radars i mean you're seeing it people are, are trying to process it no oh, it's not effect and that comes back to that whole oh no this, this won't really affect me it does affect us
1: it affects us because we're <laughs> human and yeah. human beings are social animals i just think just even coming into the rove and other places that i go to People are not working at home. People group together. They will yeah. find a common working space. So they'll work alone at their table, but they're in proximity to other people, and they do that partly. Yeah. People group and cluster because we're social animals and we like to be near other people.
0: I work from home and it's just me, me and my dog. Yeah. And I'm telling you, I'll get home and my wife <laughs> will say, are you going to go, are you going to go to the fruit and veg market and do the fruit and veg stuff? I said, you want to come? Says, no, I, you know what? I've been at work all day. Yeah. You feel free. <laughs> and it's like, you know, and you go and I see the same, I, I see people. It's like, okay, there's other people and we're doing stuff and yet yeah, we're masked up and yes, we're social distance, yeah. but I see other people.
1: It's about being in proximity to yeah. other people.
0: Yeah. and it's And it's, it's interesting because I go to the same fruit and veg mark, market place every week. Yeah. I see the same people every week. We, we you know, they don't know who I am really. I don't know who they are. But we have this yes. this ritual of a conversation every week. And it's like, you know, oh, how's your wife? How you? you know, where's your wife? They, it's, but you without know.
1: realizing that's you looking after your mental health. Yeah. Because if you're working at home alone with just you and the dog. Yeah. You need human contact, and so you start to find places that you form an attachment to. So just the the fact that the guys recognize you and acknowledge you and there's yeah. some kind of interaction is a way of looking after your mental health. And
0: I, I find you, you feel the relationships being built when, you know, the the ladies who were restocking the shelves the other day, I said, Yeah, you know, are those cherries any good? And you know, they're not really that sweet yet. Yeah. Don't, don't, don't buy them yet. And, and, but suddenly that we had a totally, now we've got a totally different relationship because yes. A, I recognized that they're not just a stalker. They're a real person who has an opinion uh, exactly. and knows something. And so suddenly, you know, you come in and you get a smile and, right. and, you know, you can't see the smile because of the mask, the mask. but you can see the smile because of the eyes yeah. and, and people are making more of an effort to show you that and, and give you that nod. And hey, it's nice to see you here yeah. again.
1: Because so, they also need to make contact yeah. Yeah. people. So, <laughs> so it's
0: it's 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 really helping everyone, helping each other. But like, but going back to, to our workplaces and this, this general separation anxiety that, that is brewing, I, I mean it worries me simply because of the fact that this is not ending anytime soon. So yes, we might be able to go home and, and you know, as you said, we're expatriates here in the Emirates, so we're gonna go home, we're gonna get to see our family, maybe we're gonna get to travel, there are places opening up, mm. great. But there's still that, with the separation anxiety, what goes on in my mind is the unknown of, well, when am I gonna be able to travel more freely? When am I gonna be able to have family come more often? When is, and it's, it's the not being able to answer the when that I find, even with some of that ability to travel, Creates that lingering question and that 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 just under the surface. The very, uh, it's a, I find it a very fragile time with for emotions because it's like, well, I just don't know when. And if anything, like I said, someone gets sick, someone breaks up, you lose your job. Someone loses their job. Suddenly, <sighs> it's an explosion. I think
1: explosion. that's it. People are feeling really, really insecure. So people mm. that have settled here and are very invested and love it here. Covid is making people have to reevaluate, and even that, you know, because people then form an attachment here yeah. <laughs> because this is home, and it's hard to think about leaving. But I think in terms of if you're here and you're not able to see family because your country, you know, you know, we're still on the red list in various countries, etc. I think you do have to work a little bit harder to form closer the connections with mm. the people that are, are around you. And well, that,
0: that's my big question. So, so, what do we do? Like, how how can we start to? You know, we've got vaccines, we've inoculated ourselves in a sense against COVID nineteen. How do we now start to inoculate our 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 psyche? To be able to deal with what's ahead, so as you, as you're that's and that's exactly what I you're think it's that
1: it's about trying to build deeper connections here. So, people, if you haven't been making friends, it's important to try and start to make some more friends. If you've got friends, try to deeper the connection with friends. Doing what your work colleague did to you, just reaching out to people in your team that you where we work with, and you know, just having a chat with them. Reach out and see how people are getting on. Just letting people know that. They're not alone, They're in this, you're all in the same boat, you know, that term, we're all in this together. And I think the next layer of in this together is not just, you know, social distancing, mask and sort of sanitizing your hands. Being in it together means that I need to come closer to you because mm-hmm. my psychological well-being now requires closer contact because I can't go home and the people that I love can't get to me and so I think that's probably what we have to start doing is reaching out to each other a little bit more
0: so it's, it's taking those initial steps and just realizing you can't go it alone you and, can't and go it
1: alone remember lots of people if you work in a company and if you're in a A good team or a good organization. One of the joys of going to work is seeing people. Look how people cluster going for their coffee and the chatter in the coffee shop or the restaurant (laughs) when people are getting their sandwiches. And like you said, this is a very important psychological part of going to work is the social context of going to work is really important for lots of people.
0: I, I was in a place, it was a coffee shop, that usually... When I think back, you know, eighteen months mm. is a noisy place, and I was in that place, and it was dead quiet, and it, and I couldn't figure out. You just, you just, right, put, yeah. you just put it together for me right now, because I was sitting there going, "Well, oh, what's different? Oh, the Tables are here, okay, they're a little spaced apart, and same food and same things, but something is different. Wow, well, there's no noise.
1: There's no noise."
0: And it was like, well, this isn't a fun place to be. <laughs> and
1: just think about it. The more you go, like even if it's the barista will get to know you. Yeah. I know from my experience, I, I go somewhere pretty much every day when I was working in a certain place. And they could get my coffee ready because yeah. I went every day and pretty much had the same thing. And so all of these things help us feel really yeah. safe and really connected and thought about. And I think that's probably something we're all going to have to, put more effort in is working on how you can become a bit more connected again.
0: I want to segue this. Yeah. I think to me, this is a, a spectacular segue into relationships yep. and we've been talking about our work relationships, yep. but there's a whole other relationship and those might be with, with a, a wife or a, a husband, a fiance, a, a life partner that we spend an extraordinary amount of time with in, in kind of a different world, right? So we've yeah. got our work world and our work relationships that have been turned upside down. And then we've got our social relationships, our, our you know, whatever, all those things that I just said that, that happen. And I, I sometimes think you and I are having the great conversation about how do we inoculate ourselves and get ourselves thinking, you know, in, in, a, in a healthy manner. I, I, I wonder if we need to spend a little bit more time thinking relationship-wise too. And if that does, if that whole thing that is also being challenged by these changes of the last 18 months, if that in a sense, I, I, I wonder for your perspective, and I could be totally wrong, if that's an area that is, is under-serviced.
1: Well, I think in terms of marriages, I, I'm not sure on the data of this, but maybe there seems to be some indication that Covid has seen an increase in people seeking out um, separation and divorce. I mean, um, I,
0: I haven't seen the numbers, but I was I was shocked. I was shocked mm, by the U.S. data. Yeah, that fifty percent of marriages fail. Yeah, forty-one percent of all first marriages fail. Fail. I'm going. So I'm going. Fifty percent of marriages fail. Forty-one percent hold on a second. So second and third marriages are failing too? Like I'm thinking if you fail on your second marriage, that's an indication of something.
1: Second and third marriages have a significantly higher failure rate than first marriages. I think second marriage is something like 65, 70% likelihood of not succeeding. Wow.
0: (laughs) Wow. I mean, okay.
1: And the other other thing um, to think about is the length of marriage the duration of marriage has changed so now the average length of marriage I think in the u k is fourteen years and the 14? Ab- fourteen and the <laughs> average length of marriage in the u s is something like twelve years so in terms twelve
0: years of marriage that's it
1: twelve years yeah <laughs>
0: I'm going on 29. <laughs> well done. Congratulations.
1: You obviously got it right. But for the average, it's something like between 12 and 14 years. Is wow. the average length of a marriage.
0: Now, from your perspective as a professional who deals in well-being, I like that word a little yes, bit. Well-being, yes, well-being. Into uh, well-being. Does... Do those couples who engage in, and you, you know, I, I stress the word couples,
1: because
0: yeah. it's not just one person. Which, I, which to me is it becomes puzzling because I've talked to people and who who are engaged in counseling. And there's it, uh, more than once I've talked to people who it's, well, you know, he thinks I need to get counseling and we're going for counseling because he, he thinks needs. we need it or she thinks we need it. And it's like, and I'm looking, I'm going, you don't think you guys need it? I'm thinking it's a two way street here, you know? And, well, what, you th- what, are you, what are you suggesting? I'm not suggesting anything, but you know, honestly? Yeah, it takes two. It I mean, this is two. classic conflict resolution theory here. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's, it's two people. Um, you, so back to the their question, after I rambled on there, I was like, "You've totally lost track." I see it in your face. I was like, what <laughs> no,
1: no, are you I'm listening. About? I'm just, pro- <laughs> I'm just processing it. I was actually agreeing with you. I was pro- yeah.
0: <laughs> but so we we've got staggering, shocking numbers of marriages fail, which I, it's it's just crazy. Do do those numbers change quite a bit if the couples? Go in and, and start having a conversation to figure out. Okay, well, wh- why are we having problems? Why, why are we not getting along? Why? What you know? Does, does it does it change or not really? Well,
1: there's lots of complicated reasons, <laughs> and I'll get on my soapbox. <laughs> I think I suppose the biggest change from a marital research um, point of view, what the reasons people now get married are very different to why they got married a hundred years ago or so. So now you know, this idea of romantic love has taken off around the world and people marry for romantic reasons because they meet somebody, they fall head over heels usually, there's a very strong attraction and they think that is enough to guarantee a lifetime of happiness together. But then strangely, what happens? It's the media. The
0: media's created this.
1: The media's created it, and it's part of the belief system. It's in literature, it's in poetry, it's in film. And people really do believe that that will last forever. But sooner or later, usually a couple of years into a relationship, people are faced with the reality of what it means to be with somebody for the rest of their life. Mm -hmm. And then they also get introduced to the real person.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So you can't hide the reality forever. You can't hide
1: the reality forever. And there's a certain amount of kind of hormones that happen when we're falling in love with people that help us to sort of miss the small print, if you like. Well, this is what Jenna, you know, this is exactly
0: I mean, it's not the same, 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 but different. This is what Jenna was talking about when last time we podcast with her, and she was talking about how, you know, quite frankly, I kind of forgot about all the things that happen when you give birth Uh, because of the hormones. There you go. Same kind of hormone reaction with a you know with a relationship where head over heels. We're in love, we kind of it glosses over the the rough things, but that those hormones don't go forever.
1: It's always amazing sometimes when you meet couples think, gosh, they overlooked that. They knew about that. (laughs) And now it is a big issue. But when they were so madly in love, it wasn't an issue. They just glossed over it. This has happened, glossed over it. This is an aspect of their character I don't particularly like, but you gloss over it because everything else, you're so intoxicated with hormones and this really amazing feeling that you have with somebody when you're in love, That I think people don't really sit, take a step back and think, are we really compatible?
0: So this is where we need the pre-nuptial conversations. You
1: need them. to have, I think for lots, well, it goes back for me even, for no, oh, second, oh, oh, even oh, further. Oh, okay. It is. <laughs> I think a big reason that marriage fail is that we need to include in the school curriculum
0: To the school curriculum?
1: Children need to learn about relationships. They need to learn Mm. about emotions. They need to learn about boundaries. They need to learn about appropriate behavior. They need to learn about respect and all of these things. Young people need help to learn how to have a relationship because most people don't. I think it's quite interesting in the West. There's such a focus on sex education, but no focus at all on relationship education. Mm. And I think those two things are, you know, it'd be much healthier to teach people about relationships yeah. so that they were better informed. And especially when those brains in young people are so sure. malleable and receptive to these ideas, you could really create healthy uh People ready for relationships. Well,
0: especially you know, it makes so much sense. I'm thinking back to my own high school, as you said. You know, sex education was yes. big, and we we had this whole health thing. So there yeah. there was a, a fitness component, and then there was just general socialization things yes. of being together. You know, we learned square dancing, exactly. and which of all things, which you know, in one breath, it's like, why did we learn that? Well, that's cooperation and working with people. Yeah. And, okay, I get it. Yeah, and yeah. and to this day, I can, yeah. you know, I can, I you know, everybody do-si-do and, you know. Oh, I could square dance pretty good. That's why you've been married 29 <laughs> years, isn't it? If you been not uh, do a square dance. <laughs> Bow to your partner. Bow to the corner too. Oh, shake hands and turn to the left. Okay. <laughs> oh, man. See, I can't even remember it. Like, yeah, like, so it stayed
1: but, with you, which I, is actually important because if you were taught about relationships, that yeah. would also stay with you. Well, and that's what I
0: was thinking. I was thinking, okay, this is, what a perfect place a perfect environment to be able to talk honestly about relationships and the fact that, Hey, you know, they all don't always work. And the original assessment of a relationship might not be the, the best assessment because as we say, hormones and what's going on, teach that in a school setting with someone who's a third party. So, you know, your teachers are not, you know, they're, they're, they're that third party because I'm going to go home. You know, I'm a 16, 17 year old. I'm going home and I'm seeing my dysfunctional family and I'm seeing this and it's like, okay, maybe it's worked. Maybe I'm living with a single parent. Yeah. Do I talk about this with my single parent? Probably not, because you know that's going to potentially bring up a raw spot. Maybe I feel that it's my own faults and, as being the child and who's who, you know who's who's, who's 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 meant that we need a bigger house or we need to have more money to spend yeah. on things and having this third party back to school to help me understand relationships and help us understand relationships at that age that we then carry forward. And then when I knock on your door and say, you know, Cheryl, sure, like, I need to have a chat. And it it becomes a more well, you know, we we talked about this when we were much younger. This is a logical check-in. And maybe as you're talking about with these mental well being checkups, maybe that's where you start putting that into the thing and start saying, Hey, you know what? We we need to have those conversations every now and then and these become a part of your life.
1: What yeah, we need idea. to start early. People, you know, there's no point keeping You know, people love having these really bright children that can do advanced, you know, arithmetic. But really, what we should be teaching alongside that is how to have healthy relationships. And that would include when we run into difficulties, instead of just trying to battle it out ourselves, that we would go and see somebody and we'd nip the problem in the bud and we would both have an emotional language so we could understand each other, hear each other when we raise an issue and then just go off on their merry way and probably continue to be happily married. <laughs> but, so most people go into relationships on a false premise of romance and then they discover they don't really have very good relationship skills. Mm. And that combination can create difficulties over time.
0: So, so we, we reach that point we're, we, we need to understand that. So really, we need to sit down and have a conversation probably before we get married.
1: Before you get married would be really helpful. The amount of people that would benefit from having premarital counselling you know, is significant because sometimes you think when you meet people it would have been helpful to have addressed this beforehand. Yeah. So It doesn't mean
0: they can't be friends, but maybe you know, uh, you know, a lifelong relationship is not for you.
1: Well, simple things like finances, for example, yeah. you often find people in relationships have different ideas about money. Yeah. which you're probably not that aware of when you're right. madly in love with them or you gloss over it. But when you get married and if one is a super spender and the other is a super saver, uh-huh. that's going to cause a lot of conflict. Um, I often say people do more due diligence when they're buying a house than they do you're when right. they're yeah. <laughs> buying a car. <laughs> then they do thinking about get mar- getting married. They don't think about what it really means yeah. to be have committed. you checked out their
0: socials? Have you, have you just had a look around? Have you talked to your friends? What do you think of this person? You know, It's
1: everything. What are your your expectations? No point getting married and then all of a sudden your partner doesn't want you to go anywhere without them. Well, did they they mention that before you got married? Is that something you agreed to? So there's all sorts of problems that start to come up because often couples don't seriously think about um, what it would mean to be married. And sometimes people form these quite um, strong attachments and the thought that they may lose this person Means that they're willing to, you know, bypass key pieces mm. of information, in the hope that they'll just get married and they'll never have to deal with a breakup.
0: So we we would benefit from having pre-marriage counseling. We don't typically. So well, maybe through maybe through a, a church, maybe through yeah. another organization, possibly. But you know, I, I mean, I know people have gotten married. I know they've gone through those pre-marriage things I'm not so sure they've all taken it very seriously
1: I don't think they do because mostly <laughs> pre-marital <laughs> counselling has been the domain of the of the church yeah. or a mosque or another religious organisation and you know cynically I think people go because they want to get married in that particular church and so right. they go along for their three sessions yep. with the vicar and it's very nice but they're not taking it very seriously mm-hmm. But I actually think probably uh, a, longer, you know, a longer period of commitment to pre-counseling before marriage where you look at very specific areas yeah. um, would be helpful. So another thing that you often see is people fall in love, and it's a beautiful thing, cross-cultures and cross-religions. Now, when you're madly in love, you see no obstacle to that. Mm. Now, when you get married, those differences can show up. lots of subtle ways, how people celebrate, how people want to raise their children, what kind of relationship they want to have with their families and all of these things unless you really think about them before you get married, can come as quite a big surprise to you Mm. it's not that you shouldn't get married if you're in a different culture, a different religion, but it's often worth paying attention to what some of those differences would be which and is how you to handle it. Which
0: is why it makes a great sense to have that third party, so not your the, the, the people who are gonna marry you, but that, that other party that's a little bit removed. And it, it seems to me, sorry to interrupt by the way. Yeah, that's seems true, to, that's true. Seems to me that this pushes us into about a year, 18 months, two years in, where all of this stuff is now starting to manifest because we haven't had the conversation before. We've been in this aura of, oh, you know, it's everything's great, we've had our first anniversary, and now it's, okay, this is real. And how many people do you know who've entered into these relationships? They've had the, the fog of love, and somewhere in there, it's like, I'll be able to change them. I'll be able yes. to change <laughs> her. You know, don't worry. I, I'm going to, I've got this sorted. She's such a great person. She'll come around.
1: I think that's a big one.
0: And I'm thinking that's about 18 months in, 18 months to two years, probably two years is, is is getting close to the the point where you're starting to get really frustrated because you're never changing anybody. Like, honestly, you're not changing somebody unless they want to be changed. Come on. AA tells us all about that. I mean, I know it's got nothing to new, but-, but, well, no, it's but a good- But what's the the number one credo of Alcoholics Anonymous? AA. Is you can't change someone. They've got to want to enter the program.
1: Yeah, and you have to be realistic about who you're marrying. So something, I'm just thinking about something I saw recently. So one person in the relationship was a person of few words. Uh And there was a, a belief and a hope that with time their partner would be able to bring this person out of their shell and that right. they would have many more meaningful conversations.
0: <laughs> it's not going to happen. If they're, if they're 25 years old and they're in their shell, they're never coming out of like, that well shell. I think
1: <laughs> like, they, can, they can come out of the shell, but I think it's about also, you know, this person, you know, clearly wasn't dead. They're full of emotion yeah. they're very much in love with their partner, but that. are from a personality point of view, they, they're not necessarily that emotive. Yeah. And so you can't then expect, you know, yeah. someone to be effusive and talkative and all of these things if that is the reality of who you've married, yeah. for example.
0: So is that, is that the point then? And I'm, I'm just randomly picking this 18 yeah. months, two years. Is that That to me seems like another point once the fog wears off where we need to sit down again, come and see Cheryl and sit down and say, okay, this is where we're at, and and have an honest conversation about those little things at this point that are just, you know, it's, it's I always liken it to that that stone in your shoe when you're jogging, so I can jog through it, I can jog through it. No, you can't, yeah. because by the time you get home, you've got a, a, an aching blister because of that thing that's there, and it's just grown out of proportion, and ultimately that's where we end up with the, you know, fifty percent of marriages getting a divorce. Is that is that about a two year point where is, we need to sit down and sort these things? I think things? that's
1: probably it's probably a good point. But I th- I was smiling there because I think there's some marriage research. I'm just trying to think if I can remember who it is. But anyway, I think it might be John Gottman. He said that actually, and he's a very famous. What's going to uh, say Gottman?
0: That's a name that I, that stands out to me.
1: Yeah, he's a very famous marital uh, therapist and researcher. and he said actually, couples only really have about seven arguments. Okay, that's it, and so by in, in their t-
0: entire entire span well, of their relationship, the, or? the theme. Oh, Okay, seven Your themes of argument. Mom doesn't like me. Yes, she yeah, does. Okay. No, she doesn't. Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, why did you leave me on that day before my birthday? You uh-huh. knew how devastated I was. No, I didn't. Yes, you did. No, I didn't. So, what happens is couples synthesize their relationship, and there's something like seven points of conflict that they just go uh-huh. around over and over okay. again.
0: And we um, keep rehashing them.
1: They just rehash it. And at the <laughs> core of everything will be something about one of these seven issues that is unresolved and will just show up at, at any time. If you're arguing about why you left the milk out, it will somehow get back to one of these core arguments. Yeah. I wouldn't have left God. the milk out if you hadn't have left me when I needed you the most. Or if your yeah. mom was nicer to me when she came to stay, I wouldn't be so forgetful. And on and on it goes. Uh, And I think there probably is some truth in that, is that what happens is couples get into an argument that they can't resolve, and they go round and round and round and rehash it in lots of different ways. So we
0: really need to sit down with someone who can say, hey, hold on, this is what you're arguing about. Yeah. What's going on here? And do do you think, is, is there an expiry date on when we can sort out that thing that we're arguing about that's causing problems for a marriage is, it, you know, if, if it's something that's been going on, you know, I, I, that is issue with your mother 20 years ago. Now, of course we're saying statistically marriages don't last that long, yeah. but let's say it's, you know, say it's 10 years ago. Can I solve that 10 year old issue today?
1: Yeah, I was thinking, remember, I always am on the side of hope. So, people, okay. if you're an optimist. If, yeah, I'm an <laughs> optimist. <laughs>
0: yeah. People don't and walk in and Cheryl goes, oh, you're, d- you're done for.
1: No, <laughs> I, do, I actually usually don't think that because usually you can see from a distance what is going on. Yeah. And it's being able to highlight that. And then the challenge is willingness to change.
0: Do you think people, generally speaking, you sit with a lot of people, are they willing to change? Do they want it?
1: Well, no, sometimes enemy lines have been drawn and people are not prepared to cross the line. This is my stance, this is my stance, and I'm not prepared. But what you have to have is a willingness to let go Mm. of something, to address something, explore it, and try and resolve it in order to move on. And I think you know we're only human, and in a couple situations, sometimes people end up locking horns right. and that just undermines the happiness. So,
0: so do you think when, you know, because I, I threw the idea out there that, you know, there's the pre-marriage, there's a couple of years, there's another couple of years, there's another couple of years, and they're all milestones in relationships. Do you think the challenges of those milestones, the things that cause couples to have disagreement which where they probably could use talking to someone, do you think we could relate those milestones and the things that people are disagreeing to back to Gottman and these seven basic arguments that probably get highlighted or, 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 or increasingly manifest because of the pressure. So, you know, your mom didn't, you know, made a comment about me not necessarily being a good father. Now we've got kids and now my kids have gone away and my, I've got an issue with one of the kids and you know, well, I, you know, your, your mom set me up for this.
1: Yeah. So just to go back to your original question
0: there is... Basically, I can now sit back and just let you do a lecture.
1: No, no, no. (laughs) No, no, I'm not going to lecture. I'm just going to say just to pick up on that because you've raised a really important point is that there are often important transitions in people's lives Mm. that can create... Changes and also tension so becoming parents for the first time having kids couples tend to have very familiar arguments you could meet probably 10 couples put them in a room and ask them what they argue about with the kids he he doesn't help she doesn't help she's too controlling he's not as interested as he could be so you have these themes that come up and then you could go, you know, maybe at another point, both of you doing really well at work, or being promoted, but you don't spend very much time with each other anymore. That can be a theme. Right. Retirement can be a theme. Oh, my God. They're now going to be, have to spend all of our free time together. <laughs> and I wasn't prepared
0: of, for The that. number of people... Who I hear that from, yeah. and the number of people who ultimately—I mean, I've met—I've met so many people. They get retired, and they get divorced, they're yeah. they're split, and it's like, but uh, what?
1: Yeah, that's a really common time for people beginning to separate. Is in there around the fifties when the children are starting to leave home, and in that fifties, sixties, people are beginning to let go of work. Their identity around being a parent is changing. Mm. And then they're back to meeting the person that they married, if they've managed to stay married that long, twenty-five mm. years ago, and they're wondering what they have in common. And so that, in yeah. the idea that you may have to spend every day with this person, with nothing like work or the kids to distract <laughs> you. <laughs>
0: Well, I guess you get two groups of people, right? You, especially when you become an empty nester. It's either the, the people who embrace that. It's like, oh, thankfully we, we get our, you know, and, and I felt really guilty. I I'll, I'll be one of those <laughs> yeah, people. I felt really gui- we, a little bit guilty because I was very, I'm glad my boys are gone. Like, <laughs> look, I love my boys. Don't yeah. get me wrong. I, I can't wait to see them, but I am really glad. And I said to my wife, I said, we get our life back. Yeah. And just like, oh, you can't say that. I said, well, but you know what? We don't have to worry about them day-to-day anymore because I don't know about their day-to-day unless they call me. Yeah, I, I feel like we are back to where we were before we had kids.
1: Yes. And Look at the smile on your it's face. It's so exciting.
0: <laughs> well, because you can just go out for dinner and you can go for a walk and you can you can decide, you know, what are we doing right now? Nothing. Well, let's go. Let's go.
1: Yeah.
0: And, I, you know, let's go do a weekend.
1: I, could, I couldn't do that when
0: I got my kids here.
1: You can't do it, and sometimes the weekends are spoiled because they fight the whole weekend. <laughs> well,
0: yeah, that too. And then, or and sulk, that, uh, or something like yeah, that. activities and stuff. Yeah. And, no, no, the best one was we'd go with kids on the weekend, and it was like, oh, are we done yet? Yeah. What are we going to do now? It's like, well, we're going to do nothing. <laughs> we're going to sit by the pool, we're going to read a book, and we're going to do nothing. Oh, that's boring. Yeah. It's like, oh, you know, so. So in my case we got our life back and and fortunately my wife feels the same way. I mean yeah. I think it took a bit.
1: But that's healthy. I think that's considered yeah. a healthy adjustment. So it's probably mm-hmm. if you talk to the kids they're probably happy wherever they are.
0: Oh yeah, very they're happy. Getting
1: on with their but life and you and your wife are getting on happily with yours. And so that's a really that's a success story. That's mm-hmm. how it it should be. The children go away and you miss them for a while, but then you readjust and you go, oh, actually, it's really nice. I can spend so much yeah. more time with you. This is exciting. We can do whatever we want. And we yeah. don't even have to pretend to uphold all these rules anymore. We can well, <laughs> we well, can well, disobey uh, our own house rules. <laughs> at, at the very start,
0: we talked about, you know, going back and going you know, back home or, you know, as expatriates. Could, mm. and, and so we, with both of my kids who live in different parts of Canada, we're going to see them, but probably not together, unfortunately. Mm. But we found places to stay that are very close to where they lived. And both of my boys were very excited about that. No, no, we're, we can't stay with them because, A, they don't have the room. And quite frankly, yeah. do I want to stay with my boys? No. Like, not really. <laughs> I, like, I mean, look, I love them. Don't get me wrong. And, but, I, you know, I, it's nice. They're, they're adults. They need their space. I, you know, my time and their time are different times. But, you know, the fact that we're going to be, like, almost next door, both of them said, oh, it's not going to be awesome. Yeah. Like, there was no, oh, really, you're not going to be a little bit farther away. We need a little bit more space. No, like, that's no.
1: really healthy. That is fantastic. Sounds so so like that you've that done a great, great job.
0: It's hard. It's hard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's but, there's the roller coasters, right? And, you know, it's all those things.
1: Yeah. So I just want to say, not everybody needs marital therapy or premarital yeah. therapy. I don't, don't want to make... I, I w- well, some governments now are beginning, and I think actually Canada is one of them. Where they, I think they're going to, they're really going to start investing in having premarital counselling mm. because, and I think Finland is actually, you know, good old um, Finland yeah, yeah. that leads the curve on, you know, leads yeah. the way on everything. I think they're going to make it um, part of the teaching curriculum and um, a prerequisite before getting married, okay. because if happy marriages create happy families that create happy societies that create happy people going to work. Right. So it, it's actually really an important part of life that we do need to get right. Yeah. Um, and I think there's a growing awareness that people need help with their marriages. You don't have to be... Often people wait until their marriage is in crisis right, before they the, try and speak to somebody. Yeah. But if they just came when there were a few niggles beginning to build up, you can you can iron those out quite quickly. Okay. But people just try to deal with it on their own and they just fight and they argue and they fight and they argue and things just get worse and worse. So again it's that thing is let's destigmatize marital counselling. Right. It's all right to come along, you might just need a couple of sessions. Mm. Some people might just need one session. Um but just sort it out, don't just let it fester. I,
0: I like that idea that look not everyone needs marital counseling, not everyone needs to go speak to a counselor, but to, it's not a bad thing if and what have you got to lose <laughs> like right like if if you're noticing and you've and, and it's like everything it's like it's like a car, I'm going to use the car analogy. It's got a little squeak, it's got a little of this. you don't really notice it until it's starting to fail that oh yeah, I really should have got that checked. if I'd gotten it checked, you know. 10,000 kilometers ago, hey, I'd be in a great position now. I didn't, now it's breaking. And I, I guess like when marriages are starting to break, then it's okay, we gotta go sort something out. Maybe we should go do this. But at that point, battle lines have been drawn all sorts of excuses and reasons. And, and, you know, as a communication scholar, probably because we're not communicating effectively. People don't communicate, and there's a
1: lot of hurt. By the time lots of couples come, there's so much hurt. They've really hurt each other in different ways, and they're feeling very vulnerable and very bruised. And I think you could really avoid getting to that point if you Mm. just decided to get a little bit of help early on. I I just think you're going to have somebody that is batting for you that is entirely on your side that wants to help you to make this work yeah. if that's what you want uh, to happen
0: just do it earlier
1: do I it earlier it makes sense. yeah do it earlier
0: and that all comes right back to your whole conversation about you know what we need to be having these conversations we need to be having that third party you, even if it's just personally and you're you're maybe you're you know someone have you ever had a situation where someone comes in and they're they're talking and then you kind of realize that Sounds to me like you're there's there's issues with a partner here. Yes, maybe it would be a good idea if we had a chat with both of you.
1: Absolutely, because I am thinking, man,
0: and and maybe people don't realize because they're oblivious, the, you know, the other partner. And I I think this is this is I I take this back. This isn't this isn't Gottman. This is. Uh, Dudley Weeks. Okay. And I don't know if you've ever heard of Dudley Weeks. Conflict resolution theory, okay, this guy's yes, all about. It, yeah. And he's a uh, he's a professor out of California who who I think wrote the manual for conflict resolution, which is really a lot like counseling and relationships. Yeah. And, 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 and 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 you know, his big thing was when talking conflict resolution, which is a lot like what we're talking about, is that often the other party doesn't realize there's a conflict and if the other party doesn't realize there's a conflict that's when you got to have a chat with them and let them know hey you know what i'm having an issue here and this is what it is because Mm. until they realize (laughs) it it's and and so i often wonder if if someone's coming in and and they're having a chat they're they're getting a little bit of a wellness checkup and then you realize there's there's something going on here
1: i do suggest that to people Mm. sometimes how do they take it Usually, really well, and usually, sense of relief. People say, I think that actually would be really helpful. And in those cases, like you see, people maybe once or twice will come with their partner and they have an opportunity just to talk about something that maybe they need to change, something they is upsetting them, and often that seems to be enough to help them back on their feet and find their way it's kind of cool yeah the other thing quickly on that yeah, thing yeah. about communication if I can going we back to back. Gottman yeah because he's got this amazing a wonderful term which he uses to describe why relationships fall into trouble and he calls it the four horsemen of the apocalypse <laughs> <laughs>
0: I love it. I think that's it. The four horsemen of the apocalypse. So listen to this. You
1: can know whether you you know you've, you're on your way to the apocalypse. So I just think it's quite humorous, isn't it? And he said that you see and I think this is really true that there are in terms of communication there is um oh gosh, now I'm going to forget it. There's um, criticism Leads to defensiveness. So couples get caught up in in that criticism, defensiveness. The other one is stonewalling. (sighs) So, you know, somebody now is just refusing to have a conversation about anything. They've got a brick wall up. And they say the kind of death knell of a relationship is contempt.
0: Oh.
1: Yeah. Mm. And he said, you know, you often see these dynamics in couples being played out over and over again. Um, and you know these things if they continue these communication styles continue that invariably leads to the breakdown or the potential breakdown of a marriage and so often looking at that dynamic in a couple and you see that over and over again someone feels criticised makes them defensive. They don't want to talk about it. The other person tries to raise the issue again. That feels like they're being criticized again, which means they're being defensive. And it just leads to arguments. So I just thought it's a great term. Yeah, Yeah.
0: That is four horsemen of the apocalypse. And as soon as as the contempt gets in there, it's done.
1: Contempt is... Yeah, I think it's like pouring battery acid on your marriage or something it's I, you know and, and it,
0: it's, it's always it's always that thing that I, I talk to people about and I'll say you know people say oh yeah you know it's okay it's all water under the bridge no it's no, not no it's not water because I said and then I'll say to someone I said and when was the last time and I usually talk to yeah. my students about this and, and I'll say so you got a brother you got a sister and it's all water under the bridge and then when you had that argument a year later and you said and you remember when I said you didn't sort out the original issue yeah. And if you don't sort it out, it's going to come back to bite. Right now, unfortunately, or fortunately with family, you just start talking to the more, you know, well, it, you know, family goes on. But relationships become a whole different thing. And, and it's, it's you know, it always comes, well, family's family.
1: Family's family. But the great thing you will see is contempt at its finest when people start to divorce. Then you will oh. see the unprocessed <laughs> contempt that has been in that marriage because the lengths people will go to. Yeah to damage the other person yeah. tells you a lot about what what the undercurrents were that were Scary. not being addressed in that relationship. And, and,
0: and I, I, you know, I often hope that people learn from that, but clearly the st- statistics say they don't because they go on to get remarried and those marriages fail too.
1: Yeah, that's it. So oh. people don't have the skills to start with um, and they just hope, again, through some romantic process, they meet somebody else, they fall yeah. in love and they haven't addressed anything from their previous marriage and guess what, they repeat very similar behaviours again.
0: So what's the take-home here, Cheryl?
1: Get some help. <laughs> <laughs> Talk to somebody. <laughs>
0: yeah, if you hear the galloping of the four horsemen of the apocalypse of your relationship.
1: Yes, if you hear them on their <laughs> way. As
0: soon as you hear, it, <laughs> if you I be, smell hay here. Yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I think if you hear those hooves coming your way, you know, it's time to go and get some help. And also just to say is... I you know, some people are amazing. I've met amazing couples who are just working on their marriage yeah. and they just come yeah, every just now work. and again just to just to work on an issue and then yeah. they go off. They don't need you know, marital counsel isn't about telling people what to do. It's about helping people learn how to communicate more yeah. effectively with each other and come closer to each other and you see some really lovely couples that are just embedding those ideas into their marriage and yeah. relationships. And the, they see it as a work in progress, not we got married on that day and that's the end, we don't have to do anything more. No, they're working on it, they're putting energy into making it the relationship they want it to be. Yeah, yeah. Well, I
0: think that's, that, what a cool thing. And yeah. re- it does remind me of a TED Talk, if, you know, I wish I could remember which one it was, Um just Google Ted talk gratification X, you know, thank you kind of thing. And it's this lady. So it's exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. This lady's talking about her. And I actually think she's a counselor for troubled youth or something. Okay. And she's talking about the big challenge for her. As she looks at relationships are people letting other people know what they want. Yeah, and for her it was just she's talking about all these relationships that were kind of having issues and and the issue was you know for instance uh, a, a housewife who you know was bringing up the kids and doing all these things and she just wanted her husband to say thank you mm-hmm. thank you for raising the kids thank you for making dinner thanks for helping and 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 but no one asked so the, like she had all these examples where people just decided you know what I'm gonna sit, and this lady sits her husband down and everything and says this is all I want I just want you to thank me for doing it and be sincere and the guy said you know I really didn't know thank Thank you for doing it. and And just that, what in one breath sounds silly, but really, you know, letting people physically know in that case, hey, this is what I'm doing. I just want some appreciation for it.
1: And, and I, it changes yeah. the
0: relationship dramatically.
1: Yeah. Because I think the busier your life gets, if you've got kids and you're working and everything, really what they're saying yeah. is, please notice me. Yeah. Have you noticed me? Have you noticed the effort that I'm putting in? Yeah. And. Does that mean anything to you? And I think just that, just noticing what your partner's doing on a day-to-day basis and taking some time to say thank you and be appreciative would Be helpful, but most people just end up in an argument about that. Well, yeah, but you've got the kids, but, yeah, I'm, working, but I'm working, so yeah, 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 what do you want? I'm better? making the money
0: so that you can spend it, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm making the money so you can spend it so you don't be happy. And we got this nice house, we're going on a vacation, it's like, yeah, yeah, nice. yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And on and on,
1: and that's a very classic. So, one yeah. of those seven arguments, I think that's yeah. what couples will get caught up in. I did say thank you, no, I didn't. You weren't complaining yeah. when we were sitting in that lovely hotel, yeah, then. yeah. do you, how do you think we got there, yeah. and on and on it goes, yeah, yeah it's
0: like, whoa, 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 you know, you're yeah. valorizing things, and hold on a second, just that's
1: nice if you just were nice to each other that would help like yeah. if you're really empathic with each other and just said thank you and appreciated each other then you probably would be a lot happier but mm. most people lock horns I mm. uh, they think they've got it if they, if they keep giving the people think if I keep giving in what the other person wants and what you know what hope will there be for me I'll just have to keep giving in on everything and so enemy <laughs> lines are drawn yeah good counselling
0: yeah. If you if you hear the four horsemen of the apocalypse coming <laughs> in your relationship, if <laughs> yeah. you start to sense, hey, this is, we're, I'm seeing a cycle here. We're not getting past this. You know, make an appointment. Just have yeah. a chat. Or What's the worst case scenario? What's you know, the worst you don't go back. Yeah. What's the best case scenario? You realize, man, this is really simple. I'm glad we had this conversation. And and the, you know, the best part I always think about, you know, if I was, if we were coming yeah. you know, to if you come and see Cheryl, is that you're not judging anyone. This is this is what you do. You know, we're, uh, we're not getting together to have drinks after. Exactly. It's like, it's like, you know, the worst thing is to have these conversations with your friends who then have only one side of the story, and then they're looking in at it. the other thing. It's like, oh, this isn't good. I
1: think that's the key thing. There's no judgment, and yeah. if you're coming, it's because you. Well, if you come and see me, or you go and see a therapist, is we're on your side. Yeah. We can see, you know, tell me what's happening and let's see if we can work it out. And yeah. I think it's that. There's no agenda. I don't know your family. It. I've got, yeah. as you said, I'm not having drinks with you yeah. afterwards. I don't know your friends. And so it's a completely yeah. safe space where it is just about trying to see if we can understand what's going on and can we repair it.
0: And who doesn't want that? Like, oh, honestly? It's
1: hard, <laughs> but it can be hard work.
0: Well, I, you yeah. know, it, it, I think it, if, it all goes right back to the beginning. Yeah. If we start in schools by instilling this type of thinking that, you know, sometimes you might need a little help in hand. And that you can't necessarily do it all on your own. It sounds like these sound like popular songs from you yeah. <laughs> too. <laughs> you know, sometimes you can't make it on your own. I, you know, think, I think schools
1: have got a responsibility that they have to do to start helping children learn to recognize emotions and how to relate to other people. They're such important skills. And if they were taught, and were, it would mean that you would go into life so much more able to have a relationship because you may not have a good example in the home, for example, but yeah. at least if it was on the curriculum and you were taught how to have a relationship, it would be amazing because you'd also do really well at work. You'd understand people better. You'd have better boundaries, etc., etc. <laughs> And there would so no, be wouldn't no need for counsellors. Yeah. <laughs>
0: why wouldn't we try? It's time to try. It's time to try. Oh, man. Cheryl, thank you very oh, much. Oh, my pleasure. It's been a lot Great. of fun.
1: Thank you. Cheryl
0: Wasama I- is who I've been speaking to. dot. Viv- M E yes. is where we can find you and you know what, check it out. But also you're on Instagram.
1: Yes. Check me out on Instagram. I think I put some up, something up a bit about relationships this week. Maybe I'll make that my focus.
0: There we go. Thank yeah. you very much. It's been a lot of fun.
1: All right, then thanks as always, James.
0: We're coming to you from the Rolf Hotel, downtown Dubai. And if you want to get in touch with us, potaholics with a K at gmail.com. Find us potaholics with a K across all the socials. Hey, check out the James cast. You get uh, some extras there as well. We'll do it all again really soon. Thanks for hanging out. So long for now.